Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're here with the Kinetic Enterprise, a really important topic today. Let me give you some background on what our discussion will be about. A true start from new greenfield transformation of core systems is an unrealistic goal for many organizations, and that may mean you, our listeners around the world. At the same time, a brownfield approach may not go far enough, leaving your business potentially a step behind your competition, and that is not where you want to be. But what if, what if there were a third option that allowed you to get the best of both worlds? And that's what we're talking about today. You're going to hear today about how a selective transformation approach, let me repeat that, important, a selective transformation approach can allow you to rapidly upgrade your SAP ECC system to the SAP S4 HANA Digital Core ERP using AI and cloud, that's what we're going to talk about, to move just the data and processes that matter most to your business. That's why it's called selective transformation. What's the potential payoff? Everything you want. Faster, more focused transformation at a lower cost while reducing human error and operational risk. Yes, we still have those. We have a panel of transformation specialists who are going to also talk about how selective transformation plus cloud-first principles, you've heard us talk about that before, can deliver AI-enabled analytics, smart infrastructure capabilities, and end-to-end value for today's kinetic enterprise. And that's where you want to be. You want to be a kinetic enterprise. Find out how to get started with the selective transformation journey and how incentive programs can help you gain momentum early on in the process. I have a panel of three transformation specialists. They are professionals. We're going to be speaking in a moment with Sumia Chakravorty and Gautam Mailavarapu at Deloitte. And we're also welcoming Dinesh Vandayar at Google Cloud. We're going to talk about today's topic, the kinetic enterprise, rapid AI-enabled selective transformation from the core to the cloud. Officially, welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise. We are live. It is June something, June 5th, 2020. The year is going so fast. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. And let's have our guests introduce themselves. First up, Sumia Chakravorty. Sumia, you've been on radio with me before. Welcome back. And please spend about two minutes telling the audience who you are, what you do, and what's your quick overview on the value of this topic? Sumia. Thank you, Bonnie. Very uh, happy to be here with you again. Uh, Somia Chakravorty, Managing Director and CIO Fellow in Deloitte Consulting, and I serve as the technology practice leader for our SAP offering. I've served customers across various industry sectors and geographies, advising and providing solutions around business process management, information flow, and decision making. I'm a big proponent of this whole notion of kinetic enterprise and enjoy helping our clients break through some of the fundamental and cultural challenges, if you will, or roadblocks by, you know, working on business cases and migration approaches that enable their businesses to selectively transform, uh, you know, supported by these next generation uh, technologies such as, you know, clean ERP, core versus edge, inclusive and intelligent ERP, responsive AI, and cloud-based solutions. So, and for recreation, when I'm not, when I'm not uh, inv- in, involved in a kinetic enterprise endeavor, <laughs> uh, I like going out camping, try to keep myself fit by working out, 
and act in stage plays when I find the time to do so. Really interesting, yeah. interesting. A nice bit of an the- amateur, <laughs> amateur theater artist there, if you will. Theater artist, I like that term. Thank you very much. We don't usually hear that. I appreciate that. And you mentioned about selective transformation. It it just seems like a really smart way to go. Is it saving a lot of time for companies that are on the verge of doing a transformation, Sumia? It it, it actually is. I mean, if you go by the definition of what the words imply, right? You are you have the option of being selective, right? So you don't have to mm-hmm. boil the ocean. You don't have to press a massive reset button to get from point A to point B because point B is what your true north is. You can take small baby steps. You can pick what you want. You can discard what you don't want to and yet arrive at your destination. So that's the whole value proposition of this concept of selective transformation. And that, you know, qualified by our whole kinetic enterprise approach, which we will talk about uh, during the course of this, uh, this, this, uh, this episode, you will see how there are provisions built into the kinetic enterprise attributes that allow you to sort of dynamically pick and choose a starting point that all ultimately lead to your destination. Thank you very much. That's a good destination. Let's move around the table. Gotem, my Lavarapu, welcome back. You've been on radio with me before, so happy to see you. And to our, our listeners, we are on Zoom, and I have the privilege of seeing the reactions and the, the smiling faces of my panelists, which is an enhancement to the radio experience. Even though you can just hear our voices, you may hear some some uh, commentary from us among each other about, I see you're smiling or I see you're raising your hand. So that's because we can't see each other, but you can. Gotem, welcome back. How are you? And please give us an update on what you've been up to and what's your thought on Selective Transformation? Morning. Thanks a lot. Uh, glad to be here again uh, uh, in rapid two months time frame. Um, although I'm, uh, I'm not that excited about Zoom because now I had to dress up in the morning to come on the radio show. You know, I was um, in my night dress in last time I was on. So uh, anyway, um, I'm happy uh, to be here again. Happy to be part of the show. Uh, I'm a technologist. Uh, work for Somnia here uh, at Deloitte uh, in the technology practice. Um, and uh, I've been a tech evangelist, uh, part of Office of CTO, uh, driving uh, technology-enabled business transformations um, at our clients. And as a part of that, uh, for selective transformation on the topic, uh, partnering with Google, uh, forefront uh, in technologies uh, in the world in innovation, Um, the goal is basically we've brought Deloitte's industry experience uh, Google's technology experience together um, into this one story of how we can uh, look at enterprises that have uh, a selective needs of standardized business processes, take them into new age, leave out the business models that have expired, are not relevant to the future, uh, and do that transformation uh, as a part of uh, <laughs> Uh, um, the effort from core, uh, their on-premise uh, to cloud. Um, that's it's all driven by tools uh, embedded with AI and machine learning and automation. Um, so it's just not enabling them using newer technologies uh, through the process, but leaving our clients uh, with uh, next generation technologies so that they can build on top of that uh, and go into the future. Uh, much more rapidly and fastly and uh, 
um, now focusing on newer business models in the newer context of what the customers want in these days. Oh, Tim, thank you. It sounds smart, it sounds savvy, and it sounds exciting, a, a new way of looking at things. Thank you so much and delightful to see you. I can see you now. <laughs> and let's go around the table to our third panelist, Dinesh Vandayar at Google Cloud. Dinesh, welcome, and please tell us who you are, what you do, and what are your overview thoughts about selective transformation? Dinesh. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, good morning to you, and good morning to all the listeners of your esteemed show. Uh, privileged to be here. Um, so I'm uh, Dinesh Vandayar. I'm part of the SAP practice here at Google Cloud. Um, my role at Google is to really uh, develop industry and line of business applications uh, using AI and ML that are relevant for our customers. Um, I've been uh, at Google a very short period of time. It's my uh, fifth month, actually. And uh, before I joined Google, uh, I was at uh, SAP or the ecosystem for uh, 24 years. So my interest in this topic is really twofold, Bonnie. One is, you know, digital transformation. You've heard the buzzword for more than a decade. You know, people have talked about it. You know, paper, white papers have been written about it. So many articles, so many video messages. But yet when I talk to most companies, uh, they have uh, a, a bit of an issue starting with digital transformation. And perhaps it could be because of their existing IT landscapes and application estates that are on premise and it doesn't lend itself to become a digital company. That probably could be one reason, and we can explore that as part of the conversation uh, today. And the second part on my interest in this topic is really, as Gautam mentioned, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, in my opinion, you know, DX is uh, not possible, at least the financial outcomes that are to be achieved by transforming your business digital, digitally will not be possible without infusing artificial intelligence and machine learning into your business processes and workflows. And yet when I talk to most companies, uh, the first reaction is intimidation uh, of using AI and ML. Uh, their common reaction is I can't even get the basic analytics right, and you're asking me to use AI and ML. I believe that we've democratized you know, AI and ML for pretty much any company to deploy and use. And so my calling is really uh, you know, connecting digital transformation with AI and ML and laying out a practical roadmap for our customers so they can go achieve their digital transformation goals. So that's sort of you know, my purpose of being here and my colleague uh, at this present moment. Thank you, Dinesh. Welcome. We're happy to have you on the panel. I was intrigued when you talked about they're, they're saying, what, you want me to do a major transformation and what AI, yeah. what ML? Seriously, we're having trouble getting our arms around that. So, it, it, okay, there's so many questions I have. Let's yeah. get into the conversation and I'm, I'm sure they will be yeah, answered. Absolutely. This is this to me is a really exciting topic, and I'm I'm so glad the three of you are here. So now is the part of the show where I've asked my panelists in advance to send me a quote that technically has nothing to do with the topic, and I will read the source of their quote. And these have been pretty much fact checked, I think. And I will then read the quote and ask them to relate it in their own words here on live radio, relate it to the topic. So Sumya Chakravorty, you have sent us a quote from Napoleon Hill. Let me give a little background. Oliver Napoleon Hill, 1883 to 1970, an American self-help author, best known for his book, wait for it, da, 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 Think and Grow Rich, 1937, which is among the 10 best-selling self-help books of all time. Oh my goodness here. And here is the quote. 
And the quote is so perfect for our topic. If I had to explain <laughs> it to me, I would say that's how I pick this one. If you there cannot you do, if you cannot do great <laughs> things, do small things in a great way. That's what we're talking about: selective transformation. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but it just it just popped on me. So, how did you find this quote, Sumia? It was so coincidental, Bonnie. No, okay, it's obviously <laughs> very relevant. Um, when I think of this quote, it's you know, it's 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 not only relevant to the topic; it's also very inspirational, right? It 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 reaffirms the fact that small victories matter. It it's it's almost gives you a sense of confidence and promises to you that you don't have to be in the big league. You don't have to have infinite resources backing you up. You don't have to have infinite funding backing you up to be able to do to be able to make impact. In other words, you don't have to be doing great things. One, one example that comes to mind, uh, just sort of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this whole thing about the negative environmental impact about the misuse or abuse of plastics that we do, right? And uh, as you might be aware, there's this whole thing called Pacific Gyre. It's this huge floating island of plastic waste and debris in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, mm. the size of the state of Texas, some say it's even the state, uh, size of Russia. <laughs> Point is, it's big, it's bad. Now, obviously, we as a whole human race, we're, you know, we are trying, striving very hard to address that. And that would mean trying to do something in a, in a great way, in a big way, right? However, if all many of us of the 7.4 billion population in the world resolve to sort of stop using plastic or minimize our usage of plastic and resort to you know, biodegradable alternatives, if you will, then we would have done our part of preventing the growth of the specific gyre, right? So again, an example of, you know, doing small things in a great way, which will all contribute to a bigger good. And with respect to the relevance coming, bringing it back to selective transformation, as I mentioned, right? Um, as the nation Gautam also alluded, we're finding our market, our, we're finding businesses, our clients, our customers at a point where, they want to under, undertake a change. They want to respond to the disruptive, rapid pace of change, but they don't necessarily have the wherewithal all the time to be able to sort of do what, uh, uh, you know, what a traditional sort of suggestion would imply, which is go ahead, discard your old stuff and just embrace and adopt and move on to the next new thing, right? So small baby steps is what we really need to be doing in advising our market and our clients in accomplishing their true north. So learn to crawl first, walk, and then run, and that will make a big impact. Thank you. Wonderful quote. Thank you. <laughs> that was funny, mm -hmm. coincidental. Of course <laughs> it was. Thank you very much. Good sense of humor. Go, Tom, my Lavarapu, we're up to you. You picked a quote. This is a, a quote I haven't heard in a while, and I appreciate it, from The Shawshank Redemption. It's a 1994 American drama film written and directed by Frank Darabont based on the 1982, I don't know if everybody knows this, about based on the 1982 Stephen King novella called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Tells the story of a banker, played by Tim Robbins, Andy Dufresne, sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murders of his wife and her lover, despite his claims of innocence. And it tells the story of his two decades in prison and his meeting with Morgan Freeman's character and on and on. I've seen it on TV and it's a wonderful movie. Somebody said, we're going to watch a prison movie. I said, no, we're not. I can't stand that. And I got so engaged in the movie. Here's the quote Gautam has selected. Get busy living or get busy dying. Ooh, this sounds so important. Tom, how does this relate to our topic today? 
Um, so, um, it, coincidentally, I mean, this is um, I have, when the movie actually aired, Bonnie. I I, I didn't even see that um, online. I was in middle school um, when it came to US and started working. Um, uh, I was uh, there's a there's a company called Blockbuster. I was right next door uh, to my apartment <laughs> complex. Um, that I, I went there, started exploring, uh, and then there was an earlier version of IMDb. Um, there was no Google at the time. Uh, and then I just got introduced to this movie called Sasha Redemption. And then I, you know, it's, it's so ironic um, that um, uh, a company that revolutionized rental movie uh, got swept away by digital transformation and didn't even know what to do, how to counter, wasn't prepared, um, didn't understand. And that's exactly the movie is a representation of that, uh, the statement, the quote, and this is the true for everybody else, right? So uh, the, the correlation to the topic is very simple. Uh, and just to stitch with what uh, Soumya was saying, it doesn't have to take an, uh, a village to do a transformation. You can do small, selective, and rapid transformation. Uh, and then... Uh, do small things really good uh, and then basically do something. Uh, uh, if not, uh, you are already a blockbuster, right? Try to look into the future, uh, uh, right? If you don't do that, either you get busy living, trying to do the transformation or you get busy dying. Uh, try to be blockbuster before you know uh, things are too late. Uh, and that's exactly what I thought uh, whenever I think about uh, transformation and our clients. Good analogy. Thank you. It's a very powerful quote. And I think it's another one of those words to live by is for goodness sake, do something that people say, I can't make up my mind or I, I don't want to do anything. Zero is a choice, right? You all know from <laughs> binary, it's a one or a zero, right? Yeah. The zero is a choice and the one is a choice. And we want people to pick the one, do something. It also, what you're all talking about reminds me of, of there's an old, it's supposed to be a joke. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? right? <laughs> Little bit at a time. That's what we're talking about. Great concept. Thank you so much, Gautam and Dinesh. You've been so patient. I said that to a panelist on a show recently to my third family. <laughs> he said, how do you know I'm patient? I said, I'll never say that again, but I do. You have picked a quote, a wonderful quote from, uh, from Mahatma Gandhi. And let me read if anybody doesn't know. Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi 1869 to 1948, it was a very good year, was an Indian lawyer, anti-colonial nationalist and political ethicist who employed nonviolent resistance to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. And Mahatma is an honorific in Sanskrit, means great, sold, or venerable, first applied to him in 1914 in South Africa, and now it is used throughout the world. Here's the quote. This is a beautiful one. Live as if you were to die tomorrow learn as if you were to live forever. I'm going to cry. <laughs> this is so, so beautiful. Talk to me. Spare me the well, tears. Go ahead. Tell me. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, patience, that I was patient. If you're a follower of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you absolutely would learn how to be patient, right? He's a, he was a man of wisdom. Uh, and, you know, I've followed his writings. There are probably, you know, several hundreds of quotes that are worthy of the show, but I picked this one. Um, and you can break it into two quotes, actually. If you look at, you know, live as if you will die tomorrow. And I'm going to get a little personal, right? So if, if this is the last day on earth for me, and, you know, if you 
close your eyes and maybe your listeners can do that as well. What would you do? Right. So for me, there's really three things. One is family. You know, I want to be with family all the time. You know, I've done crazy things. I've driven 200 miles every day for three years so I can see my daughter uh, every day. Right. So, uh, you know, the second thing is all about uh, intellectual curiosity. And that's precisely why I'm on the show and why topics like digital transformation and, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning actually you know, matter. So for me, I think it's the, the curiosity that, that, you know, these sort of technologies provide and how we can actually not just improve businesses, but humankind. Uh, the third is really, I mean, as uh, Gautam and Samia would attest to, I'm an avid golfer. There's something about striping that ball in the middle of the club phase and putting it next to the hole and the camaraderie that, you know, golf provides. I mean, those are three things that for me would satisfy, right? So this is the last day on, uh, on, on planet Earth. But you know, the second part of the quote is, is probably, you know, also equally relevant, which is, you know, learn as if you will live forever. There's not a lot of positive attributes for me, but if there's one that I would pick, I would say that uh, it's my uh, lifelong, uh, uh, you know, learning sort of has become a passion topic for me. I, you know, look for opportunities that requires a lot of learning. And how is this relevant, you know, in, in uh, digital transformation uh, world? If you think about it, I mean, you know, you're fundamentally transforming your business. You are thinking about, you know, as Gautam used the example of Blockbuster, you have to think about what is it 10 years from now? And if it's, you know, if there's one critical shortage in actually getting to that spot in 10 years, it's uh, digital skills. And it's, you've got to have, you know, lifelong learning skills. You have to, you know, learn through a lot of the, I mean, technology is the greatest equalizer, right? I mean, it's it's funny that, you know, a kid, uh, high school kid in India can take a, a data science class offered by Stanford. I mean, it, it wasn't possible when Mahatma Gandhi wrote this quote, but it is completely possible today. So there is no excuse for not learning. And to me, I think that's how it ties into digital transformation and, you know, the topic selective transformation uh, today is really because it requires you know, people to actually learn a lot about these new technologies and new skills, new business models that will exist, you know, five, 10 years from now. And the learning needs to start today, right? So that's sort of, you know, the relevance of this topic. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, interestingly enough, all three of your quotes tie together beautifully. And I have to tell our listeners that we don't sit down in a room and say, okay, Dinesh, <laughs> pick a quote. And Sumia, have something from a movie. Now, you're, it's your turn to pick a movie quote. And it's going to be something, or uh, Gautam, it's going to be something that's related to what Dinesh said. And then Sumia, you know, you've got to come up with a quote from a song. It's got to be, we. they come at me from all their different backgrounds and all their different knowledge bases and cultures. And you each pick your quote on your own. And it's sometimes very beautiful when they all work together so nicely. So thank you all for putting the effort into that. I appreciate it. Now is the time of the show when we're going to do our formal round table. I'm going to pick a statement from Sumia's notes. I'm going to read part of it and ask Sumia to spend about two minutes expanding it. And then we will invite Gotem to come in and talk about what Sumia said, and then we'll get Dinesh in, and then we'll open it up if anybody wants to yell at each other or say something <laughs> back, that's the time. And then I'll pick a statement from uh, from Gotem next, and then we'll go around the table and one from Dinesh, and let's see how far we get it. And there's so much good knowledge among the three of you, so I know we're going to really tap a lot of a lot of smart, savvy insights. Sumia, you sent me the following. You say, building a durable and lasting technology core 
to support your business does not guarantee a durable and lasting business that's capable of weathering storms of unprecedented and disruptive changes. I'm going to stop there. I, I think we all know where we are in the world. We all know about the pandemic and the global health crisis and talking about, we used to use the word disruptive to describe new technologies and now the world has been disrupted. So once you go ahead and relate your topic to any of that, Sumi, and then we'll see what your co-panelists have to say. Go ahead. Sure, Bonnie. So again, just to sort of uh, paraphrase what you just said, the whole notion is that you think you've built something that's going to last forever, right? And it's going to sustain and have you ride the waves of change and so on and so forth. But understand that if it's a static built to last state that you've built, it's almost like an end state that's been built once and it never changes. Is that something that's going to be relevant even as you ride the waves? To Dinesh's earlier point about being on a continuous learning curve and so on and so forth, right? So this built-to-last paradigm is sort of fading as we, as we study the market and as we understand the needs of our customers, our businesses, and our enterprises, right? This relentless pace of change across industries, across geographies, is forcing leaders to adopt a new solution. And we've sort of, the, the, the new phrase, the buzz, buzz phrase, if you will, is this thing called built to evolve, right? Leveraging intelligent capabilities, cloud solutions, artificial intelligence solutions, maintaining a clean core, the technology core that I referred to earlier, maintaining it to be clean and having an inclusive ecosystem of apps and intelligent apps that work together. So one that can not only give you the capability to react to current or you know, evolving changes, but also evolve continuously so that you're not only just keeping pace with the change, but also getting ahead and uh, so it's not necessarily just surviving, but also thriving through the change. And what are some of the observations we've seen? Technology shifts, right? I mean, things change, even if I've built something in a solid ground. Took 100 years from the creation of, let's say, the typewriter to the creation of the PC, right? It took 30 years from the creation of the PC to the BlackBerry, the handheld ones that we're so, uh, we are, we are, that's become an integral part of our lives, if you will, right? Think of another thing. A company called Neuralink did not even exist three years ago. Neuralink is a company that builds implantable human brain machine interfaces. So three years ago, a company doesn't, didn't exist, and today it's tapping into our brains. How cool is that? How scary is that? And how new and changed is that, right? Global dynamics, right? I mean, there are countries in the world that even up to even up seven, eight, ten years ago, were a fraction of the U.S. GDP. Today, they're up to 70%, right? Um, economic volatility is another factor. Up until recently, we surpassed the longest period of economic expansion. Almost, you know, after the 2008 meltdown, we haven't really, we, we, we've been on a high. What that means is, if you think of an average lifespan of a CIO, you know, four, three, four years, average lifespan of a CEO, eight to 10 years, these are, these are my, you know, my, my speculative numbers that I'm offering as an average across different industries, different sectors. Point being that with this large expanse, expansive, you know, sort of period that we've seen of continuous growth, there are leaders of firms, CIOs and CEOs who have not seen a recession, right? Who have not seen a downturn. So how will they brace themselves when the recession does come? Right. And I'm not even getting into where we are today. I'm just saying it's all about this whole notion of being able to ride the change. So 
that's basically the whole notion of this thing called kinetic enterprise and built to evolve. And we've got four dimensions to it, which I can come to, or I can have, you know, Gautam and Dinesh also speak to that, uh, or rather maybe double click on each of the attributes. But like I mentioned, the four key pillars that, you know, that, that make a kinetic enterprise concept whole is this whole notion of an intelligent enterprise, a clean enterprise, an inclusive enterprise, and a responsive enterprise. You don't have to be doing all four of these together. You, there is no necessary prescribed pecking order, if you will, of starting with any one over the other. It all depends on where you are on the transformation journey. When I say you, I mean us as businesses, as enterprises. It also depends on where we want to get to as our respective business strategic true norms. So that's, that's sort of the whole notion about building a built-to-evolve solution and not something that's a block of stone, something that's static, something that's not agile, something that's not kinetic. Thank you very Thank much, you. Sumi. A great overview. Let's get Gotem in here. Thoughts, agree or disagree with what Mr. Chakravolti just had to say? Um, of course. Um, let me just add uh, with the, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the study. <clears throat> So a company called Innocide, I believe, uh, did a, a research, um, um, including McKinsey. Essentially, the corporate longevity uh, in 1950s uh, was about 60 years. Um, companies that stayed on uh, Standards and Poor, right, S&P. Um, now it is um, less than uh, 20%, it's around uh, 18 years. Uh, uh, and then uh, the prediction is uh, by 2027, 75% of the companies are going to go out of the business. Um, it, and it, the, the acceleration of that is, is what they're terming it as creative uh, destruction of companies. Um, that's a pretty powerful um, stat if you look at it. And it's a 50-year data. Data doesn't lie. Right? So, and, it's, and it's not just companies are disappearing. It's, they're getting bought out uh, because they're not nimble enough. Um, their customers have disappeared, so essentially they're, they've done everything right, but just forced to go out of the business. Or suddenly their suppliers have disappeared, and you know their quality has degraded. You know a whole lot of things have happened. So, uh, so that basically uh, proves uh, exactly what uh, Somya was talking about, which is essentially you need to be kinetic. Um, you have enough data in the world uh, that. Um, gives you enough signals that the transformation is occurring. Your customers are changing. The behavior is changing. You can develop scenarios uh, of how uh, the world is going to change and be prepared uh, to uh, respond uh, to those scenarios. Uh, and I think that's of high importance, uh, especially right now. And that's exactly the core of what being kinetic uh, really means. And that's what uh, Swami was talking about. Go ahead, Dinesh. So can I add, I mean, like, you know, for, for example, I think uh, I'll throw a couple of numbers. One from IDC, uh, they basically predicted between 2019 and 2023, there will be 500 million apps be created. Think about that. That's, you know, it took us 40 years to create, you know, 500 million apps. It's going to take us four to five years to create 500 million apps. And that shows, you know, that speaks to what Samia is talking about, right? And why are you creating these apps? Because you, your business dynamics are constantly changing. You have to respond to these dynamics. And to me, I think that's a very important scale to think about, 
you know, if you're an organization that's really not pushing code almost every day, uh, then you're going to be, uh, you know, left behind. So it speaks to at least two of the pillars that Samya sort of articulated. One is the responsiveness. How quickly can I change my business model based on changing dynamic market conditions? You know, and then the intelligent part, because as I said in my introduction, you've got to have the intelligence infused because without which you cannot actually quickly transform. You cannot put more manpower to actually get this done. It has to come from artificial intelligence and machine learning processes. So that to me, I think is, is really kind of neatly ties what, to what Somia and Gautam both said. Thank you very much. Good around the table. Thank you, Sumia, for starting us off on a great part of the roundtable here. I'm going to move to statement number two from Gotem. I think this is interesting. You say people want to engage with enterprises in a new way. And new technologies have the ability to provide that engagement. But here's the but. Historical business models set up in the back office are the limiting factors to move forward. This is important for our listeners to hear. So Gotem, you want to Expand this, please, for us. Absolutely. Um, so when you when you think of a, uh, changes that are happening, right? So we we have had entirely new generations coming in uh, and changing the behavior, uh, and a lot of this information we have qualitative information starting from the baby boomer generation uh, to the silent generation or X, and then we got millennials and then the Gen Y and Z. Essentially, when these chunks of generations come in, you add technology to the mix, you add the social dynamics, you add the, the globalization factors and all of those things together, the asks from the generation is totally different than the generation of the past. I was recently working with a client uh, um, and the, the supply chain leader was actually saying that, then the food business, right? So they're saying that hey, my, when, when we started the business, when we set up our ERP, we were serving the three food market. You got breakfast, you got lunch, you got dinner. Today, nobody's doing that. A lot of these new generation kids essentially eat throughout the day or in a couple of hour intervals. Uh, right? So it's an entirely different way of treating or actually consuming food. Now, if your entire supply chain, your operations was built, focused on these three large chunks of uh, calorie intake that people used to do, Suddenly, you need to figure out how to serve up these throughout the day eating micro meals, fast, high calorie, selective calorie, uh, keto diets, you know, all these kinds of keep coming in. How do you, how do you address to that? That's exactly what is the core of what um, these basically opportunity is to figure out how to pivot uh, to these suddenly changing asks whenever these big generational changes coming, new generations start to become buyers and have totally different expectations, then the whole totally new company is going to come in and start addressing those. Uh, so how do you have served for 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, uh, you know, pivot and start to cater to the generation and start to transform and pivot, right? So that is at the core, right? How do you, you need to be able to do that. And if you're, if you're not able to change your business model that you have set up in your ERP, um, you can't pivot. You're still looking at the old market that will totally start to fizzle away like Blockbuster saw and uh, even the older generation start to pivot to newer consumption models. And that's exactly is what uh, you know I was trying to uh, uh, was mentioning in the statement. 
Thank you very much. Let's go around the table and get some reactions here. Dinesh Vandayar at Google Cloud. What do you think about what Jotam just said? Agree or disagree? I completely agree. I think this is, you know, uh, so if you look at what Gautam said, I mean, this is some of the fundamental, you know, um, I guess, you know, penalties, you know, uh, companies have today in terms of their current landscapes, right? If you think about the on-premise, big application estates or big, you know, sort of IT landscapes, it is very difficult to do that transformation. You know, if you think about, you know, from the idea, from planning to actually putting uh, a concept uh, in production, you got to have the shortest amount of time possible. And we've all worked in IT long enough that, you know, we used to have yearly planning cycles. You planned well in advance what's the next, you know, set of projects are going to look like. And you had a three-year plan and you had the luxury to actually, you know, slowly sort of, you know, chip off the plan and get it done. And, you know, that luxury doesn't exist anymore. As you mentioned, the dynamics change so quickly. Uh, so you have to respond to it. And the only way you can respond to it is you're going to have to modernize your you know, IT and, and uh, your application estates. And that's really, you know, the, the crux of, you know, selective transformation is really, it gives you a path to do it. You don't have to, as Samia mentioned, you don't have to, you know, take a all out approach and say, I'm going to do a digital transformation. I'm, I'm going to do this big bang approach, but you can actually selectively pick and choose the areas of the biggest impact for your business and start from there. So it's, that's one of the reasons why to me, in my opinion, Digital transformation, you know, is such a sort of intimidating topic for a lot of our uh, customers and companies around because they think about the big bang approach. Is it possible to actually break it down into smaller chunks? Is it possible to actually, you know, do a simple value feasibility analysis and see where the biggest bang for the buck based on changing market dynamics? How do I actually transform those parts of my business first? And then I think it's, 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 a, it's a, a sequence from there. But you're going to have to get started uh, at some point somewhere. And to me, I think this is a perfect example of picking those high business value cases and, and really sort of, you know, putting that plan in action. Thank you very much, Dinesh. Sumia, you're up next. What do you think going back to what Gautam introduced and or what Dinesh just added? What are your thoughts? I completely disagree with both of them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now that I have your attention, I promise I'll keep the shot. you to raise the bar. You took me seriously. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, these these arguments, the points that Gautam and Dinesh just made, further emphasizes and reinstates, you know, this um, keeping us anchored to these four attributes of kinetic enterprise we spoke about, right? And the one that jumps out with this contextual discussion is the one around keeping your core clean, Right. A clean core essentially does not have the business or IT baggage or what we use as a, as a term these days, your technical debt, mm -hmm. your zillions of custom code that you may have developed in your so-called standard ERP package to make your business run and make your ERP package compatible to your business as opposed to standard. So point being, absolutely agree, point well made, it is a huge impediment for enterprises to be able to make that massive leap of leap of faith into what they need to be doing for the future, keeping in you know keeping this whole context of build to evolve because they've got all this baggage that they have to deal with, quote it you know call it dirty laundry, call it irrelevant, obsolete laundry, whatever. But those are things that they absolutely need to do. So in summary, the word housekeeping exists in the dictionary for a reason. 
Thank you very much. And we were, the, the, you said you disagreed. You just rocked. You woke, everybody's awake, but you just startled us. That was it. Was a beautiful moment to, to my listeners. When I prep my guests, I tell them, "Don't sit here and spend an hour saying I agree what he said, what she said, what they said." I violently agree. I agree a thousand percent because then the show is over. We have no independent yeah. leadership. So when Sumia said I disagree, everybody's eyes just popped is what's going to happen here thank you that was that was one of those great moments of radio we appreciate it dinesh i'm looking at your statements there's so much good information here and we are a little bit limited on time so i'd like to go to your statement number one if that's okay yeah. with you you say digital transformation drives new technology requirements and then you put in parentheses net new revenue streams always a good and exciting mm -hmm. thing time to value yes change in agility we've been talking about agility and flexibility fluidity be able to pivot we know companies that didn't stick around because they didn't do that and you say and the hyperscale public cloud platforms mm -hmm. play a central role in delivery of dx initiatives can you please unpack this for unpack. us absolutely buddy <laughs> thank you so i mean there are many attributes for a digital transformation right so if i were to, to break it down i mean the three most important attributes uh, in my opinion or the ability to actually generate net new streams or at least capture uh, revenue streams that are lost today due, due to process inefficiencies or technology inefficiencies. And to me, I mean, what's the point? I mean, you know, you know, customers have spent, you know, uh, according to IDC in 2019, $1.2 trillion in all things digital transformation. And they're really struggling to, to get the financial outcomes to justify that level of investment, right? So you have to, I mean, you have to get net new revenue streams or at least capture revenue streams that are being lost today. The second was really time to value. And I, I've mentioned this many times, and I'm going to keep hammering this point because uh, to me, I think that the idea of, you know, the, the marketplace that we're in today where, you know, uh, it's so dynamic. And even, you know, if you think about, you know, the current pandemic and the post pandemic, I mean, it's just, you know, act, things are accelerating because of that. Things would have happened anyways, but it's being accelerated today. So time to value is a super critical component. And the third one is agility. I mean, I spoke, uh, you know, it's, it's a change in mindset. There's two parts to agility. One is really, you know, a technical part. You know, as Samia mentioned about technical debt and overcoming that. But the second part is really a mindset change. I mean, this is super important for people that have worked in IT for, three, you know, three decades or more. I mean, there is a, this is, you know, uh, uh, an important mind, mindset change to actually be a little bit more uh, dynamic and a little bit more, you know, taking an experimental approach. And, you know, if you fail, it's okay. So it's a cultural change for most companies. You're going to have to start, you know, rewarding employees better. You know, fail fast is, is something that you have to do. I think this, this is what leads to rapid innovation, right? So if I were to use an example that, you know, this company sort of hit all three of these, you know, this is one of the largest home retail companies in the world. They have about 2,200 stores. And, you know, I was interested to find out, you know, they have about 33,000 SKUs per store. They don't have a back room. Uh, there's no place to store their goods as, as you know, the only place is on the, on the uh, shop floor or on the uh, store floor. And the problem that they were trying to solve was really around shelf outs. You know, it's different from stock outs. Stock outs are, you know, when you actually run out of product and there's nothing available in your store. Shelf outs are products available, but it's not in the shelf. So, for example, if I'm looking for a power drill, I go to the website of this company and I search around and I find, okay, the power drill that I'm looking for, the model, great reviews, is there in the store. 
It's about three miles from where I live. I drive to the store and basically I walk into the store and I don't find the product. You know, I look around, you know, for somebody to help me. They're usually busy and, you know, I walk around this cavernous uh, store and, you know, go home frustrated, you know, bad customer experience, loss of revenue for this company. And what they're looking, you know, so they looked at, you know, potentially, they even actually quantified the problem. They, they, they you know, added manual labor to a, a certain set of stores so they can actually pack down and, and keep those products on the shelf versus, you know, normal course of business. And the loss of revenue was significant, right? So they said, okay, this is something that we have to tackle. And there are many ways to do this. You can actually look at you know, expensive technology like computer vision or IoT sensing, but they chose machine learning as, as, a, as an opportunity uh, to solve this problem. So they started with, you know, a simple training data set. They asked, you know, people in the store to take a picture, scan an image of where, you know, shelf outs are occurring and send it to them. So they used that as a training data set. They actually incorporated many other data sets, you know, inventory data, sales data, you know, forecast data and all of those and created this very simple uh, binary classification model. And this is where I, you know, I'm of the belief that machine learning is not, you know, super complex. You know, we, we can actually deploy this. And by doing this, they were able to actually identify the problem of shelf outs. And, you know, they've actually, you know, rolled this out, you know, globally. So it's a, if you look at how they solve the problem, and, you know, if you look at the three attributes that I mentioned, and this was not a year long project, this was, you know, weeks to months, rapid prototyping, you know, getting the results and, and sort of, you know, quickly moving on it, you know, uh, understanding where it's failing, correcting those errors and, you know, next uh, prototype and so on. So if you look at the attributes, they were able to, uh, you know, in this case, capture revenue streams that they were losing and, you know, time to value, as I said, it was, you know, weeks to months, not years. And the agility, they were actually able to quickly, the mindset was, you know, you know, experimentation, you know, fail fast equals innovation. That's exactly what they did, right? So this is a classic example of how companies that exist today that embrace digital transformation can actually achieve these kinds of, uh, you know, return on their investment. Thank you very much. Fascinating topic. Let's quickly go around the table because we have limited time left. Sumia, comments on what Dinesh just shared. Yeah, this time I completely agree with everything that Dinesh said. <laughs> and, just to, and, and just to add to that, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, this might sound a little motherhood and apple pie, but really the true vanguard, you know, beacons or, you know, frontiers of measurable success for any enterprise at the end of the day are improving customer satisfaction, engagement, mm -hmm. right? Improving employee engagement and productivity, right? Uh, driving operational efficiency, uh, increasing the top line and, and also innovation and in products. So a lot of the things that Dinesh just alluded to and also the characteristics around time to value and so on and so forth, are, are, are very, very important, right? And, you know, some one other example that comes to mind is this AI-based, you know, demand planning solution that we have, right, right, that caters to the supply chain world of the house. It selects the right variations, variables, the right algorithms, and also uh, automates the cumbersome time series forecasting process that we've built and that we've seen that working in conjunction with some of our ERP applications. And that that we've seen that reduce, you know, your cost, of net sales due to out of stock by a 25%. So there's just yet another example in this whole notion of, again, I bring us back to this kinetic enterprise attributes. What Dinesh hit on was things around intelligent core, things around responsive core and inclusive. So yeah, absolutely. That was, that was a point well made Dinesh. 
Thank you very much. Go, Tim. My lover, Rapu, you're up next. What do you think about what Dinesh said and or what Sumya added? Your turn. I would just like to summarize saying that, you know, um, this, is the, this is the new paradigm where you need to look at how you uh, refill your stock differently, uh, depending on how customers are engaging, because your customers are not coming to your store and then trying to find a product. They're actually looking online. They've found out that you have inventory and then walking to the store and then not finding it, right? So it's a different, it's a different uh, way to tackle the problem. And this is the new ask from the customers. Um, so the conclusion is very simple, right? You need to transform your business model. You need to transform your business process on how you've actually done in the past. And you need to do it at a faster pace as you start getting these signals. And that's exactly what we're saying. You need to transform. Uh, and when you're transforming, uh, it's, it's usually a humongous people impact, your employee, and then humongous cost. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do that that's exactly what you know we're offering here, which is selective transformation driven by uh, AI-enabled uh, tool set that Google and Deloitte co-developed. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm just going to sneak in statement number four from Dinesh. Just want to get this on the table, and I'm going to ask Sumia to get ready with your prediction, 90 seconds, and then go, Tom, and then we'll finish up with Dinesh. So Dinesh said to me before the show, 75% of the existing companies in the S&P 500 mm -hmm will be replaced by new companies entering in 2027. Everybody do the math. We're mid-year 2020. He says, embracing digital transformation is key to be relevant in the future, and it requires a 10x thinking approach. We're just going to leave that on the table. I think that's a great way to sum up what we've been talking about. So let's go around the table predictions. This is the crystal ball lightning round. And let's see, Sumia, <laughs> what kind of brilliant prediction are you going to share with us? You're up first. Uh, between 60 and 90 seconds, I'll leave it up to you. The more you time you take, the less for dinner. <laughs> he could be that later. <laughs> well, I would rather listen to Sumia speak than myself. No, no, so. no. All, all fair here. Sumia predictions go. Go ahead. So playing on this 10x notion, right? This whole thing about the future of architecture. Think big, think long, and then start in a very accelerated and aggressive pace right away. Right. So I would say from a prediction perspective, I would say there are three kinds of technologies or three technologies sort of platforms or concepts that are going to be very relevant in the years to come. One would be ambient experience, this whole notion of computing that's everywhere, right? Transcending or eroding this division between physical and digital worlds. And you've got, you know, computational abilities, not only in devices that you're using, not only in machines that you're using, but also your human brain being complemented with stuff around technology. The second concept would be exponential intelligence. Exponential intelligence, we've got a lot of machine learning and a lot of artificial intelligence built in today. And it's essentially the ability of the computer to you know, recognize patterns and make predictions. And it's come a long way. Uh, an ML solution could potentially beat a chess, uh, you know, a chess grandmaster at his game. However, it's still not come up with, you know, to, a, to a level of being able to deal with human emotions and human reactions. For example, a computer could never give you that little alert for fleeing from a room that's on fire, right? That's just an example. And then the third one would be quantum computing and this whole notion of qubits and bits. And I would be lying to you if I said I was an authority of quantum computing, but I'll just give you one small example that brings to light the whole concept of, and it'll be, I'll be real quick. Think of 
asking your computer to help you navigate and come out of a maze. In today's computing world, your computer is going to exhaust option over option, give you the first turn, the first branch, the first whatever, come in, eliminate that, not working, move on to the next, and finally come to the one that works. In quantum computing, is going to look at all the different options together, all the paths, all the branches together, and very quickly predict which one is the one that's going to get you out of the maze. So again, a good example of what I think summarizes the value proposition of compute, quantum computing. 10x, quite into the future, yet to come, but it's something that I'm pretty passionate about. Thank you. I can tell. We appreciate your passion. Let's go to uh, Gautam. You've got 45 seconds for your prediction. We're almost at the end. Go ahead. If I'm able to predict, Bonnie, I would have been a zillionaire by now. Uh, so I would uh, look at data uh, and pick up cues and then, um, you know, identify scenarios. So I think um, uh, transformation is imminent. Um, I do know that. Uh, my very simple prediction, uh, data has already shown um, that enterprises and customers who don't pivot or change are not going to sustain. Uh, that is what we have seen. Um, uh, and just like Netflix, Netflix transformed from uh, a DVD by mail to online consumption to a content producer, um, you have to constantly evolve and challenge your existing business models and companies that are going to do that uh, are, are going to survive. Right? I mean, that's at the core of uh, transformation. Uh, we have tools to enable to do that. Uh, and I think uh, that's about it. I mean, uh, there's nothing more predictive than data that's showing that if you don't transform, you're going to die. Thank you very much. Dinesh, I saved, oh, we've got about 45 seconds for you. Go ahead. <laughs> right, I'll be quick. So I'm going to pick on what uh, Samia said about quantum computing and, and your statement earlier in the show where you said it's a binary decision, zero or yes. one, right? In quantum computing, there's a thing called superposition. So it's not a binary decision it's, you know, compared to a classic you know, uh, you know, uh, computing where you have zero or one are the only two bits, right? In quantum computing, the superposition lets you store, you know, many different uh, states between zero and one. And that's exactly what this selective transformation is about, if you think about it, right? So we're not, you, don't, you have to make a decision, but it's not a, a, a zero or one. If I do it, I'm going to do it a big bang approach or I don't do it at all. Actually, you know, you have to think like a quantum computer. Uh, so it really is, you know, uh, you know, the superposition that, that uh, Soumya talked about and, and all the end number of states. So you can actually pick and choose where the biggest business value. And, you know, you can actually, uh, you know, approach the, uh, digital transformation in that manner. Thank you, Dinesh. I know we're running Thank out of time. You all. Yes, we are. I wish we had another hour or two or three. I have so enjoyed speaking with the three of you. I feel like I was in the presence of great minds. Seriously, compliments to all three of you for sharing your insights and your savvy. Oh, Sumia's eyebrows went up. Great minds. Wow, I have a new title. Thank you to Malia Aguilar, Carla Neal, and Helen Tomas at Deloitte for setting this up and sponsoring this wonderful series. Malia, I think this is it just keeps getting better every week and thank you to Aaron Keller my engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio the business channel for being there and getting us on the air I'm Bonnie D. Graham thank you so much for tuning in to the kinetic enterprise we'll see you in a couple weeks take care and go out and be kinetic bye bye everybody wave <laughs> bye
Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.